What's up? Welcome back to the Chris Gates Fitness Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode and uh, got another really fun Q&A planned. I have five questions here that are specifically questions that I have gotten from my clients lately. And I mentioned this in last week's episode. If you didn't catch last week's, I would highly recommend you do it because what we talked about last week was five questions my clients have been asking me about nutrition. And today we're going to talk about questions that my clients have been asking me about training. And the reason I'm diving into these client specific questions is because, you know, if you've been following along at all lately, I opened up coaching applications, did a sale on online fitness coaching, one-on-one coaching at the beginning of the year and welcomed a lot of new people into my coaching program, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, Just building out new programs, getting people started and pursuing their goals is always a blast. And what typically tends to happen in that early time period in the first few weeks of somebody's program is that we're talking about a lot of questions that people have. And some of the ones that have come up multiple times are ones that I've marked down just thinking, hey, you know what, these might be really good to talk about on the podcast and elsewhere on social media uh, in order to, you know, just help people out. Because I think if multiple people that I'm working with are asking these questions, it may be a question that you have as well. And so if we can put it here on the podcast, hopefully it can help you out. And, um, you know, spread the word about the right answers and the right ways to do things with uh, nutrition and training. So today it's going to be all about training, fitness, working out, and questions related to that type of stuff. And uh, let me give you a rundown of what we're going to talk about on this week's episode. So for the five questions, question number one, whenever I work out consistently, I usually get really sore and then I have to take a break for a week before I can do it again. Why does this happen? So why do you get so sore and then have to take a break? And then when you get back into it, you get sore again. We're going to dive into that and answer that question. Question number two, how long should I rest in between sets? This is a super popular one I get because normally when we build out a program, you know, we have the exercises, the sets, the reps, the weight you're supposed to lift, notes on how to do the exercises, exercise tutorials. But okay, how long in between each of these sets for each exercise should you rest? We'll talk about that. Question number three, should deload weeks feel easy? So what I want to do is give you an overview of what a deload week is, because a lot of times when I work with somebody and they're new, the first time we hit a deload week, it's like, oh, I've never done this before. So we'll talk about what deload weeks are and then if they should or should not actually feel easy. Question number four, what are the best exercises for health and longevity, especially for older adults? So, you know, if that is you and you're getting uh, later into life and what I would say, you know, is an older adult is probably like 50, 55 and older. Uh, so if, if that describes you or if it's something that you're interested in just uh, maybe getting a, a head start on and doing some of these exercises, we'll talk about some of the best ones and uh, why they are the best ones. And then question number five, does cutting calories too low affect your workouts? I heard it puts your body in something called starvation mode that actually makes you gain weight. We'll talk about that one. That is an interesting topic that um, a lot of people, I think, have a little bit of misinformation on. Uh, So we'll get into all those questions and the answers to them here in just a moment. The one thing I want to highlight today for you is that I actually have like a semi big announcement and this is something I want to tell you about once 
moving forward, there's going to be details to it in the show notes uh, for my episodes. I'm not going to harp on this too much, but um, I officially have a supplement sponsor, okay, for 2023. This is something that I wanted to do heading into the new year. Um, And I'll be honest with you, like up front, I have not worked with supplement companies before for a very specific reason, um, and that is because supplements are supplementary and you don't need them. <laughs> and and I think the best thing that most people can do is get started by, you know, achieving as much as you possibly can achieve without supplements and figure out do you really need them? And then if you find that you do need them, you can fill in the gaps with certain supplements. I'm not somebody that uses a ton of supplements. I do use pre-workout, I use creatine, I use whey protein. That's pretty much it. Um, but I, I also do understand that you know supplements can be really helpful for people. And oftentimes when I bring people into my one-on-one online fitness coaching program, I get questions about supplements. And sometimes for folks, it's really helpful to be able to have some protein shakes here or there or pick up a pre-workout. Uh, get some creatine, whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, I've had enough of those interactions that I thought, okay, you know, maybe there would be some value in being able to get my clients and 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 people who follow me and, and who have been loyal to, to following me and my business, a little bit of a discount. And so that's what I've done. And, and really, you know, it's important for me to talk about the company that I've teamed up with. So the company that I have a sponsorship with is Legion. And the reason that I'm working with Legion is because it's a company that I really, really trust. And I use their products. Uh, their products are all natural. They actually, the, the the blends that come into the products in terms of like the ingredient mixtures to make up their protein or their different, you know, uh, supplements that they have to sell um, are all based on scientific research and they use the study doses from those scientific research studies uh, to essentially make evidence-based products. And so I really trust them. I've been using them. uh, I've been using Legion's products for a while now, and uh, I'm a big believer in what they do and their owner, Mike Matthews, and everything that he stands for. So um, I have been, I've had companies reach out to me for years saying that they would like to work together. And I've always turned it down. And I actually reached out to Legion because I believe in what they do so much. Um, so if you're interested, if you, if you need supplements at any point in time, um, I do have a discount code with Legion. It is Seagates. So C-G-A-T-E-S. Uh, if you've never bought products from Legion before, excuse me, if you've never bought products from Legion before, that code will get you 20% off your first order. And then if you decide to come back and continue ordering with Legion, it'll get you double loyalty points if you plug that code in uh, every time you purchase products. So I want to put that out there. I'm super excited to start working with Legion and um, I hope this helps you save a little bit of money and also get some supplements that I think could truly help you and um, know that these supplements, what you're putting in your body, you know what you're putting in your body and it's not potentially going to be harmful or anything like that. So I hope you find that helpful. Uh, but with that said, all right, let's get into the Q&A for today. Question number one, Whenever I work out consistently, I usually get really sore and then have to take a break for a week before I can do it again. Why does this happen? Now, everybody's response to training is going to be different, right? Uh, Depending on your experience level, depending on the types of exercises you're doing, depending on the intensity of the workouts and the training that you're doing. Uh, But in general, when I encounter this with somebody, 
it tends to be one thing in particular that leads you to work out for a few days, get super sore, and then have to stop for a few days or a week before you can train again. Um, We talk a lot about like yo-yo dieting. That's basically yo-yo training. So let's talk about yo-yo training. And uh, what this typically means is that you're going way too hard. Like you're just doing way too much. You're lifting way too intensely. You are throwing way too much volume at your body. And it's a, it's a level, it's a workload that your body isn't prepared to recover from. And so fatigue builds up really, really quickly. And that soreness is really a lot of signs of feedback from your body that you need to pull back and you need to take some rest. And this is honestly, I mean, it's a common thing that happens to a lot of people because most people think when you go into the gym, if some is good, more must be better. So I'm going to do as much as I possibly can. And especially at this time of year, you know, January, New Year's resolution season, I want to lose weight, new year, new me. So I'm going to go to the gym every day and I'm going to, you know, work out in the gym until I can't work out anymore. I'm going to peel myself up off the gym floor, crawl to the car, go home, wake up and do it all over again tomorrow. And I love the motivation. I love the desire to get healthier, to change your body, to change your habits. But you have to understand that there is and should be a progression to whatever you're doing with your exercise routine. This is a good reason to hire a coach. If you've never hired a coach before and you can find a good one, this is a great reason to hire a coach. There will be a link to the coaching page on my website if you want to check it out. Um, one of the most helpful things I think that I do for my clients is that I'm able to put them in a situation where we progress over time and we scale workload and intensity up over time. But when they start a program or they start a phase of training or they start a training block after week one, that person feels the craving and the desire to do more and they can't wait to get back in the gym for week two, right? That's important. You don't want to go into week one, kill yourself, and then not be able to show up to week two. Your body, when you're starting an exercise program, you have to understand that like you're you're only going to be able to recover from so much. I don't think this is a concept most people wrap their minds around, but your body can only recover from so much. And when you are doing things the right way, when you're structuring your training properly and doing it for months and months and years your body's ability to recover from training goes up. So the amount of volume and intensity and workload that your body can handle, the baseline, whatever that is, goes up. That's important. And then within a phase of training, see, I don't think people even go into the gym and think like, well, what's my first phase of training going to look like? Or what is my first training block going to look like? But like, it's really helpful and important to have phases of training where you scale the intensity up and then drop it down, then up and then back down. Um, When you start a phase of training, And I'll just break down what I do with my clients. Most of the time, my clients have eight-week training blocks. And within each block of training, there are two four-week phases. Across that eight-week training block, we are starting at a lower intensity, and we're slowly and incrementally scaling things up over time to make the intensity go up, the workload go up, the volume go up, so that when they get to week eight, they are going to be doing significantly more and harder work in the gym than they were in week one. And by doing it and by taking those incremental steps up in the right direction, 
you're allowing your body from session to session and week to week to actually recover. So if you start out and, you know, let's just pick an exercise. If you're doing dumbbell chest press and you start out doing three sets of eight to 10 with 50 pounds, just totally hypothetical numbers, maybe by the end of that eight-week training block, you're doing three sets of eight to 10 with 60 pounds or 65 pounds, but we didn't start there. We started lower. We gave your body like a stimulus that it has to receive and adapt from and, and recover from. And then the next week, we tick it up a little bit. So maybe we go from three sets of eight to 10 with 50 pounds to three sets of eight to 12 with 50 pounds. And then maybe in week three, since that went really well, we go three sets of eight to 10 with 55 pounds. And we slowly and progressively tick the intensity and the workload and the volume up over time to allow your body to get a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more stimulus each time you go into the gym. And by doing it inch by inch, your body can recover from a little bit more, raise that baseline, recover from a little bit more, raise that baseline. And I think you could, hopefully you get what I'm saying. Like over time, you can help your body adjust to the amount of workload that it can recover from and you'll improve your fitness and your physique as you do that. Most people don't do that. Most people go into the gym, they do as much as they possibly can. They run their bodies into the ground. Their bodies are not prepared to recover from that amount of workload. And so you have to take time off. Then when you finally feel not sore anymore, you go back into the gym and you do the same exact thing you did before, which is stupidity, right? Isn't What is the, the saying? It's like uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again that gets you no results or something like that. I mean, that's what it is. It's insane to keep doing that, but people do that uh, because I think there's like this idea baked into our brains that you have to just go all the way to your limits every time you're in the gym with whatever form of exercise you're doing. And that's bullshit. It's not right. That's, that's ineffective and it's stupid. So why, when you work out consistently, do you get really sore and then have to take a break? Most of the time, that's the reason for it. All right. Question number two, how long should I rest in between sets? Great question that has a lot of context and nuance to it based on what you're doing. But in this answer, I'll try and break down some, you know, best practices and, and principles that you can probably apply to whatever you're doing. Uh, I think like if you get started with a, a strength training program, normally a great place to start is like 60 seconds rest in between sets because, and, and I kind of, I kind of alluded to this in my answer to the previous question. Normally when you, you start off a strength training program, you're not starting day one going to maximal effort, you know, like you're not going to go from never lifting weights to then going into the gym and trying to one rep max your deadlift. If you are, holy shit, what what are you doing? <laughs> uh, so given that that's the case, like you should be starting your week one off at a lower intensity, getting your body acclimated to whatever your training program looks like. Um, and since it's lower intensity, you should be able to get away with 60 seconds rest in between sets. Um, and then I would say like as you navigate your way through and you get more consistent with training, and you start to lift heavier, you start to lift at a higher intensity, That those rest periods can increase. And, and oftentimes I would say that they should, unless you have really strict time demands where you only have like a 30 minute window to train or something like that, 20 minute window to train. If that's your situation, I mean, yeah, you're going to have to have really short rest periods and you're going to have to accept the fact that that's going to impact the amount of weight you can lift, the amount of strength you can develop and all that stuff. Um, but assuming like time isn't a huge factor here, 
most of the time, I would say as you get stronger and lift heavier weight, uh, those rest periods should increase. And even you know, as where you're going through a phase or a block of training, I would say like from week one to week four to week eight, uh, your rest periods should probably be a little bit longer at the end of that training block than they were at the beginning. Um, so I think 60 seconds is a good place to start. And then as you do that, and as you get consistent with lifting, you'll start to notice some exercises probably are a bit more fatiguing for you than others. And, you know, we could like, let's say you're doing a, a push day, you're training chest, shoulders, and triceps. Your heavy compound pressing exercises, if you're doing a bench press or a dumbbell bench press or a shoulder press, you know, that's a compound exercise. So when you're doing that exercise, you're not targeting one muscle group. You have multiple muscle groups working to move the weight. Uh, So like a a bench press is going to be your chest, your shoulders, and your triceps all working together to press weight. And that means it's typically an exercise that you should be trying to lift pretty darn heavy with, or as heavy as you can in whatever rep range you're working in. Um, So with all of that being the case, that's going to be a much more fatiguing exercise than say like a lateral raise for your shoulders, because your lateral raises for your shoulders, you're working the lateral delt, which is a small muscle on the outside of your shoulder. And it's it's an important one to train and you should be giving your full effort to it. But like, since it's a smaller muscle, you're, you're really not going to be taxing your body. Like when you talk about the amount of muscles that are engaged and, and, and then at the end of each set, how many muscles need to recover. I mean, you're talking about significantly less than if you were doing a bench press uh, when we're talking about the lateral raise. And then like central nervous system, in terms of that, like your central nervous system is going to be fatigued when you lift weights because, you know, throughout the process of lifting, your brain is signaling to your body that certain aspects need to recover. And the more that you train, the more intense it is, then then that system gets fatigued. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot more CNS fatigue for a bench press, again, than there is for a lateral raise. So you'll notice that, like, as you get into lifting and the more you lift, um, you're going to find that the heavier exercises and the ones that are compound exercises that involve multiple muscle groups are probably going to be ones that you need to take a little bit longer of rest in between sets to allow your body to recover enough so that you can show up to the next set and actually perform well. So some of the the rest ranges that I use when I train for those smaller muscle groups, if we're talking about isolation exercises where it's like a lateral raise or a reared out fly or even like a bicep curl or a tricep push down, um, when you're isolating one muscle like that or or a couple small muscles because the biceps are technically two muscles, triceps are technically three muscles, uh, but those are still smaller muscles in comparison to like your pecs or your lats or your quads uh, or your glutes. For those smaller muscle groups and the isolation exercises, I really think 60 seconds to 90 seconds is probably all you need in, in order to be able to show up to the next set and perform well. For the heavier compound exercises uh, that are going to target the larger muscle groups, so we're talking again, the pecs, the lats, the quads, the glutes, the hamstrings, uh, that's where I push it to be a bit longer of rest in between sets. So I'll normally take like two to three minutes of rest in between sets for those larger muscle groups um, just to allow myself to recover enough to be able to show up to that next set and perform well. Because at the end of the day, if you're strength training, your goal probably is to see your performance 
improve over time? If not, why are you, what are you, why are you doing what you're doing? Like you want to go in the gym and see that you get stronger or build more muscle or do both of those things. So do what's necessary in order to allow you to have the peak performance that you can within each set. And I think those ranges should probably help you do that. Question number three, should deload weeks feel easy? Good question. And like I said, at the beginning of the episode, let's define what deload weeks are and then answer this question. So this sets itself up really well because through answering the first two questions in this episode, I've talked a lot about the tra- the concept of a training block, the concept of multiple phases of training. And so to, to reiterate that, most of the time with my clients, we'll do an eight-week training block. Within that eight-week training block are two four-week phases. After the training block ends, what I normally do with my clients is we hit a deload week. And so back to what I was talking about within a block of training from week one to week eight, you're going to see the intensity and the workload and the volume slowly tick up over time so that when you're in week eight, the workload that you're handling is significantly greater than what you were doing in week one. Once we build up all of that intensity, you got to understand that along the way, your body's building up a lot of fatigue and it gets harder and harder to continually improve on the performance that you have in the gym. So at week eight, when you're at that highest intensity level and you're doing the most volume, that's normally where we say, okay, we're going to hit a deload week. We scale things back uh, significantly so that your body can catch up on recovery and so that that can then set us up really well to dive into a brand new training block and see that, okay, where we get to start week one in this new training block, it's at a higher workload than we were doing in the previous week one. Does that make sense? So that's another way that you can see how your performance in the gym is trending in the right direction over time. Is that like, what did your first week one volume look like? And what does your week one volume look like now? Are you starting at a higher threshold than you did when you first started? And if you are, that's a really good sign. So we build up all that intensity and fatigue throughout the training block. Then we hit a deload week. That deload week is another way you could describe it as like an active recovery week. And really the goal is um, to scale the intensity and the volume back again so that your body can catch up on recovery. Now, what that normally looks like is First and foremost, you're probably going to remove some sets from your workout routine. So, you know, if, you, if you're a great way to quantify how much work you're doing in the gym is like, okay, for each muscle group, how many hard sets are you doing? And uh, so, so scaling back on sets is an easy way to scale back the overall volume of your workout routine. So if we were doing like by the end of that, that training block, like 15 sets of chest, we may scale it back to 10, okay? So we cut out five sets to very easily right then and there, uh, remove a, a good chunk of volume, but allow you to continue training, continue moving and doing the movement patterns that we've been working on, continue getting those muscles to fire, uh, you know, and, and, and keep them active so that we're not just like totally regressing and, and, and not participating in lifting at all. Um, so it's kind of like active recovery. You see, we, we scale that intensity back, but you continue to train. Um, and, and that helps clear out a lot of the fatigue so that when we start that next training block, you can get to training hard again. So that's essentially what a deload week is. 
number one, you scale uh, back via sets. You can also scale back on weight. Um, one of the areas that I'll typically do that is for the compound exercises. So if we're doing a bench press or a squat or a deadlift, I'll typically reduce the load there for my clients by like 10 or 15% just so from a central nervous system perspective, from a CNS perspective, we can help clear out some fatigue as well. Um, It doesn't help you during a deload week to be lifting 80, 90% of your one rep max, I don't think, unless you're a competitive power lifter, but that's not not the type of people that I work with. So Uh, You can reduce load as well. And then, you know, more into the details, sometimes you can reduce the rep ranges as well. Uh, Some of the areas where that may be appropriate is if you're doing like 20, 25, 30 rep sets, that's pretty fatiguing. Um, So you could cut those down to like, 10 or 12 or 15 rep sets for a week uh, just to give your muscles and your body a little bit of a break, but continue training those muscle groups. Um, Now, should deload deload weeks feel easy, uh, honestly, like most of the time, yeah, most of the time they should. Most of the time when you're doing a deload week, you're in the gym, you're working out, right? You're continuing to train, but you're kind of like, well, this, what, you know, what am I doing? Like this is, this is way, way, way easy. Um, and I think it's nice to have that. Like, I'll be honest with you. And you, if you're like this, you'll know what I'm talking about, but like, I don't like deload weeks. I don't like doing deload weeks. I think a lot of people have trouble taking deload weeks because, The mindset is we go into the gym, we train hard, we see progress. And so then, okay, well, if we're going to the gym and we're not training hard, then we're not going to see progress. So why would we do that? And I've already explained why we would do it. But it's kind of like a mental game to be able to go into the gym and force yourself to hold back. That's not easy to do. One of the things I love about deload weeks, though, is that because that happens, it tends to be kind of like a mental reset where like maybe at the end of a training block, you're super fatigued and, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of almost dreading going into the gym cause you know how hard you have to push yourself. So then you hit a deload week and it's like this nice break and maybe that break feels good for a day or two, but like by Wednesday or Thursday or Friday of the week, you're like, man, I just want to train hard again. And so it kind of helps you do that mental reset in addition to all of the other ways that you clear out fatigue with your muscular system and your central nervous system. Uh, I think all told deload weeks are really good to do. It teaches you how to hold back. It also gives you a reset for recovery and mentally it kind of resets you and gets you craving the opportunity to go into the gym and train hard again, which is really important. Okay. Question number four, what are the best exercises for health and longevity, especially for older adults? This is a great question. And, you know, sometimes I think in training programs, we get so used to just moving in straight lines up and down, you know, like squat, you squat up or well, for squatting, you squat down and you squat back up for like deadlifting, you pull it up and then you lower it back down for bench pressing, you lower it down and then you press it back up bicep curl, you curl it up and you let it down. Uh, You know, like almost every exercise where we train a muscle group is in straight lines and that's very beneficial. Don't get me wrong. It helps you get stronger. It helps uh, you train your bones and and joints and ligaments and muscles to be stronger and you know b- help help you be more resilient and prevent injury and all that good stuff. But there also is usefulness in training in other motor patterns uh, or just doing other types of exercises. And so I want to talk about a few of those here. And and I'll start with lunges. 
I think lunges are unbelievably important for health and longevity because if you just think about the types of things you do throughout the day, how often are you picking something up from off the ground? Probably a whole hell of a lot, right? Uh, Whether you're a parent or... I don't know. I, I just think about be, me being a parent because I'm constantly picking toys up off the ground around my house. Uh, but, you know, anybody, you know, you're always picking stuff up from down low and putting it back up, up high. And you're not always doing it in perfect squat patterns, right? You're like uh, stepping to the side and reaching down and like maybe you have to pick something up from under the chair. So you're bending over from the torso and like, that none of that is a very natural movement pattern, but it is something that we can somewhat mimic with training with lunges. And you could do lunges in any way, shape, or form. You could just do standing lunges where you stand in one spot, you lunge down on with one leg out in front, the other leg out behind, and then you switch. So you train both sides. You could do walking lunges. Uh, you could do lateral lunges. Any type of lunges, I think, though, are really, really important because in addition to all those straight lines that we talked about, uh, lunges are going to help you move in different movement patterns and help train a lot of those stabilizer muscles that are really important. Like if you're doing leg extensions or like a hack squat or a leg press where you're in a fixed position and you're really able to isolate your quads maybe, that's great. But you're using a lot more musculature throughout the day than just your quads. So there is benefit in doing things like lunges to be able to train all of those stabilizer muscles in addition to hitting your quads and your glutes and your hamstrings uh, to be able to get a really nice, well-rounded stimulus. And then by doing that in the gym, you allow yourself to move really well outside of the gym. And then when we're talking about health and longevity, that's really important. That's key. So lunges are one. Uh, Another one would be rows. And this is technically still in straight lines, right? Because you're rowing into your body and then you're letting it go back. Uh, But I think like on the same theme of lunges and what you do throughout the day where you're like picking something up off the ground, you're maybe bending or stepping forward in different positions. Well, rows are kind of the same thing. Again, throughout the day, we're often taking things from down low and putting them up back higher. And uh, some of those things aren't always light. So having some of that rowing strength to be able to pick things up from a, away from your body and pull them into your body is really, really important. Um, and you know, you can do rows in a number of ways. Once again, you could do free weight rows where you're doing, you know, maybe bent over dumbbell rows, one arm dumbbell rows, uh, seated cable rows. Any of these types of exercises are really beneficial. I even throw lat pull downs into the concept of rowing, even though that's not picking up from the ground and putting up high. That's kind of pulling down low, uh, but it's still, it's a row. It's a row from high to low, and there's a lot of benefit in that too. Um, so rows would be number two. And then the third one that I have are carries. And this is not something that most people do. Um, and I, and I honestly, I think it's because, well, maybe number one, it's because people just don't know the benefits of it, but weighted carries. Once again, think about what you do throughout the day. You carry a lot of stuff, right? Like you're, if you're going to work and you have a backpack, you're going to school, you have a backpack or you have a, you know, a, like a suitcase or a duffel bag or something like that. Um, maybe you're going to uh, the UPS store and you're picking up boxes and you have to carry them from your car into the store or something similar to that. Uh, weighted carries translate really well over into regular life activities. I think about the amount of carrying of my kids that I do these days 
Uh, my one is two and a half years old, my oldest, and and she's getting pretty heavy. I mean, like she's she's a big like when kids get to two and a half, three years old, they're just bigger. Like they're big humans <laughs> at that point. It gets hard to carry them. Um, and, uh, it's really beneficial for that too. So weighted carries translate over really well to daily life. And I think the other reason people don't do weighted carries is because it honestly looks a little bit weird. Like if you're going to an LA fitness or a planet fitness or a 24 hour fitness, a commercial gym like that, nobody wants to be the person just randomly walking around the gym, holding all kinds of weight. Uh, and okay, I get it. But like, if you really want to get the most out of health and longevity with your exercises, do some weighted carries, grab a couple heavy dumbbells and walk the length of your gym down and back or do heavy carries for time. I recently programmed this for a couple of my clients, um, because they have, I mean, this is the question that they asked the health and longevity and also functional strength. Uh, weighted carries are, are are really good, and and what I started doing with these client, the two clients of mine, is I did it for for time. So we're starting off their next phase of training doing three sets of thirty second carries. So keep carrying that weight for thirty seconds, and then as we get into this next phase of training, they're actually going to see that duration go up to forty five seconds, and then later into the training block, it'll go up probably even more, and then we'll add some weight to it. Weighted carries are another one that's really good for. Uh, overall health and longevity, especially for older adults. So lunges, rows, and carries, there's a lot of variety that you can pull from for all of those different exercise and movement patterns. Uh, but I would encourage you to start there if, if health and longevity is something that uh, is really important to you. All right, last question. Question number five, does cutting calories too low affect your workouts? I heard it puts your body in something called starvation mode that actually makes you gain weight. Let's address the last part of that question first. I've heard this starvation mode claim over and over and over again on social media. And um, it's it's one of the dumbest things that I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know in any facet of life where I've seen people who actually don't have access to food gaining weight. And I want you, if if you think starvation mode is a real thing, I want you to pause this episode of the podcast and think about that to yourself. In what, in what situations in life do you know of people who don't have access to food and they're gaining weight? Tell me the answer to that question. You can't because starvation mode is not a real thing. So no, you cannot eat calories that are too low that that cause you to gain weight. That's not going to happen. Cutting calories too low does affect your workouts though. Uh, So, you know, part of the reason why I preach sustainability here is because I want you to be able to sustainably lose weight and train and do it for a long period of time because if you could do it for a long period of time, you'll make more progress. Again, like this time of year, a lot of people make the mistake of not only going into the gym and doing as much workout routine stuff as they possibly can, but at the same time, they're cutting calories as low as they possibly can because it's that mindset again where it's like, well, if I cut a few calories and I lose a little bit of weight, I should just cut a ton of calories and then I'll lose a ton of weight. And that's not the way it tends to work. And that's why people think like, oh, it's starvation mode because I cut my calories so low and and now I'm gaining weight because I'm in starvation mode. No, what's happening is you cut your calories so low Monday through Friday that Saturday and Sunday you end up binge eating and eating yourself into a calorie surplus for the entire week. 
that's what's happening, okay? And you need to be honest with yourself. Um, cutting two calories too low will affect your workout performance. And I mean, if you're severely slashing calories, you're going to see it probably pretty quickly. I, I do not recommend drastic reductions in calories because that's what happens. It ruins your workouts. And then because it ruins your workouts, it ruins your body composition. If you have a calorie deficit where if you like eat 2000 calories a day, you're in a calorie deficit, I would encourage you to eat as close to 2000 calories as you can, um, because that's going to give your body as many of the resources that your body needs to get into the gym and perform well. And then if you perform well in the gym, you're going to encourage your body to maybe build a little bit of muscle, build some strength. At least it'll encourage your body to retain the muscle mass that you have. And then your body's going to burn more body fat, right? Because your brain's going to say, Hey, we need to keep hold on to this muscle mass because Chris is doing a lot of lifting in the gym and uh, that's going to help us do these challenging exercises, but we're in a calorie deficit. So what can we use to, to lose weight? What, what, what can we use for energy? And then it burn, your body burns fat. Um, it's going to help your body composition more. And I know that sounds backwards to some people. It's actually going to help your body composition more to eat more calories. So if, you, if your calorie deficit is 2000 calories and you're entertaining the idea of eating a thousand calories... If you eat a thousand calories, you're going to lose weight from both fat and muscle mass, which means you're going to look like a string bean at the end of the process and your training performance is going to tank and you're going to run your body into the ground and you're going to feel like shit and you're going to quit. You're going to quit way earlier. And so you're not going to have that consistency. You're not going to make any meaningful progress. And at the end of the process, you're actually not going to see much progress at all. Not much is going to change and it's just going to be an entire waste of time. So you can cut calories too low. It can affect your workouts. And I would highly suggest that you eat as many calories as you possibly can while losing weight so that you can have your training performance be as high as it possibly can be. And then by doing that, you're going to see your body composition improve in the most optimal way that it possibly can, aka building muscle and burning fat. I hope this episode helped. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, it was fun going through uh, another set of client questions. As always, if you have any questions that uh, you'd like to toss into the mix, I would love to answer them. So uh, you can get in touch with me basically anywhere. Um, you know, I'm on every social media platform at Chris Gates Fitness. Um, you can hit me up on my website. My email is chris at chrisgatesfitness.com. Uh, let me know. Let me know how uh, what, what your questions are and how I can help, and then I'd be happy to add it to an upcoming uh, episode. But thank you again so much for listening. I had a blast putting this one together, and I'm excited to uh, get another one out to you next week. But until then, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you again soon.